This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. If you have your Bible close to you, turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And there's one passage out of this chapter that we want to read at the very beginning of our study today. Verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Of course, we recognize that these words were written by the great Apostle Paul. And, and God is speaking to Paul, and God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. Let, let's look first of all at the background of that passage, going back to the beginning of this chapter. And in verse 2, Paul said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. And then he says in parentheses, if you'll notice, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. In other words, I don't know whether he's dead or alive. Some people think that Paul had reference to himself when he was stoned at Lystra. But then he said, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Then in verse 4 he says, How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now we're not told who the man was. It may have been Paul himself. Many are of that uh, opinion that Paul is speaking of himself. But whoever the man was, Paul said, I knew a man, and this was 14 years ago, and I don't know whether the man was in the body, I don't know whether the man was out of the body, this I do know, that he was caught up into the third heaven. To the Jewish mind, there were three heavens. The atmosphere surrounding the earth was one heaven. Up in where the sun, the moon, and the stars are, and the planets are, there was a second heaven. And where God is, is the third heaven. He said, this man was called up to the third heaven. And then he said emphatically, I knew such a man. And then parenthetically again, he says, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. He emphasizes that again. I just really don't know. But he said, I know God knows. And then he says, this man was called up into paradise. The word paradise is a Persian origin, and it means pleasure garden. And when one of the Persian kings wanted to bestow a favor or an honor upon a subject, he would allow him to walk with him in the garden. And so this was the origin of the word paradise. And the man that Paul is talking about was caught up into paradise. And he said, this man heard unspeakable words 
Well, someone said, what were the words? He said, it's not lawful to talk about it. Now, I think Paul is talking about himself. And, but, but nonetheless, he goes on to say, of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I desire to, to, to glory, yet I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure, the abundance of the, the, through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, listen to it, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. He had this thorn was given to him to, uh, to, lest he be exalted because of all the revelations that he had and lest I be exalted above measure. And he said in verse 8, I asked God three times to remove that thorn Three times I approached the throne of God. And here was God's answer. Verse 9. My grace is sufficient, Paul. You know, the word grace is thrown around loosely sometimes by uh, people, but we, we need to have a working definition when we think about God's grace. Grace is just favor. As it pertains to us, to humanity, God's grace is unmerited favor. It's favor that God bestows upon us we did not earn, we did not deserve, that we did not merit. God's grace is God doing for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. God's grace is God giving us what we need rather than what we deserve. Now let me give you an Old Testament example of that. And that's the example of King David. You remember the story how David was confronted by Nathan on one occasion after he had taken a man's wife. And Nathan said, I want to ask you something, King said, there was a rich man that had a lot of sheep. A poor man who only had one sheep. And he said, the rich man took the only sheep that belonged to the poor man. What should we do with the rich man? He's, and he condemned him. And that's when Nathan said to David, David, you're the man I'm talking about. Thou art the man. You see, David man with many wives had taken the wife of Uriah. And he actually committed adultery with her, and he, he conspired to have Uriah sent into the heat of the battle, and he was killed. And when David was told that he was the man Nathan was talking about, David said, Then I have sinned. And then, Uriah, then uh, Nathan said, then God has put away your sin. You know, according to Jewish law, David was worthy of death. As a matter of fact, according to Jewish law, the woman was guilty of death. But rather than death, God gave David what he needed rather than what he deserved. 
he forgave David. David in Psalms 51 wrote about that and he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David had a penitent heart and God forgave him. I might point out that I am convinced beyond shadow of a doubt, according to Hebrews 9.14 at least, that David's complete forgiveness was dependent upon the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. As the late Gus Nichols used to say that David had a promissory note that his sins would be forgiven when Jesus died for him on the cross. But I believe that God forgave him his sins. You see, the point is, God gave David what he needed and not what he deserved. Folks, God's grace is sufficient for us today. God's grace is sufficient to forgive us of our sins. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, verse 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Great, by grace are you saved. We're saved by the grace of God. Now there are a lot of lessons, I believe, that can be taught reading Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Here's one of them. There is a line that has been drawn. And on one side of that line, there are those that are saved. And on the other side of the line, there are those that are unsaved. Those that are on the side of the line where there are the saved are those that have been saved by the grace of God. There was a couple that had been condemned to die because of a crime they had committed. They were to be hanged. And... They sat in their cell. They could hear the men working on the gallows where they would give their lives. And every ring of the hammer and every buzz of the saw was a reminder to them they were condemned. Man is condemned because of sin. But almost 2,000 years ago, even though we did not earn it, even though we did not deserve it, God sent His Son into this world. In John 4, 34, Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. Christ was sent. And Jesus Christ was sent to pay the penalty for the sins of all mankind. We didn't deserve that. We don't deserve the death of Christ for my sins. It's a matter of the grace of God. It's a matter of God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. It's a matter of God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. We, we need forgiveness. It's a matter of God's unmerited favor. There's nothing I could ever do to merit that favor of God. You see, God saves us by His grace. And the grace of God is sufficient to save all kinds of sinners. Even people that we don't like to think about sometimes. Yeah, God, God, for example, God's grace is sufficient to save people that are murderers. 
And I know some would flinch at the idea of God saving a murderer. But I want you to know that His grace is sufficient to save those that have blood on their hands. I'm thinking about the people on the bare day of Pentecost whose hands were still red with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had cried out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And it was the Apostle Peter who said to them, You by wicked hands have crucified and slain. They were murderers. They killed the Son of God. But God's grace was sufficient to save those people. It was on that very day that when they heard the gospel preached, that some 3,000 became obedient to the gospel on that very day and were baptized for the remission of their sins. The grace of God is sufficient to save people that are immoral people. You know, that's the kind of people you wouldn't want to have as a neighbor. That, that might be the kind of an individual that you would not want to, to, uh, uh, to go to, out to eat with. But I want you to know that the grace of God is sufficient to save people like that. People that are immoral. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and I want you to read verses 9, 10, and 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Sometimes we are deceived. But Paul says, I don't want you to be deceived about this. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. That's a bad bunch of folk, isn't it? He said, I want you to know that these people, that, that they were not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And notice verse 11. And such were some of you. You see, Paul is writing to Christians in Corinth. He said some of you were, and they were, some of them were fornicators, and some of them were idolaters, and some of them had been adulterers, and some of them had been effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind, and they, some of them had been thieves, and some of them had been covetous, and some of them had been drunkards and revilers and extortioners. And, and in that state, they were not in line to inherit the kingdom of God. Paul said you were, some of you were just like that. Some of you were just like that. But, you know that little word but changes a lots of things, doesn't it? But you are washed. But now you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by, by the Spirit of our God. You see, the grace of God it's sufficient to save people that are living lives of immorality. And then the grace of God is able to save just good moral people. These are the kind you like to have as neighbors. Just good people. These are the kind of people you like to go play golf with or, or maybe go out to eat dinner with somewhere or have into your home for, for, for a, a get-together. You know, just good moral people. Let me tell you about one of the best moral men I think I've ever heard about in all of my life. Read about him in the 10th chapter of Acts. His name was Cornelius. And Cornelius was a centurion. Now that meant that he was a leader of a band, a hundred men. He was a soldier leading a hundred men. And 
This man, Cornelius, was a God-fearing man. He feared God with all of his house. His prayers had went up as a memorial before God. This man gave much alms to the poor. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. And when he came to the house of Cornelius and preached Christ to him, in verse 47 he asked, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? He says, Does any man tell me they can't be baptized? And then verse 48 says, And he commanded them to be baptized. And they were baptized, Cornelius and his household. And then Peter got back and rehearsed by order the things that had happened at the house of Cornelius. Cornelius needed the gospel. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 14, Peter explained that when he came to the house of Cornelius, that, that he began to speak words to Cornelius whereby he and his household could be saved. Now question, if his household was already saved just by being a good moral person, why did he need words to tell him what to do to be saved? The reason is morality may keep you out of the county jail, but it will take the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to keep you out of an eternal hell. Cornelius was a good man. And God's grace was sufficient to save Cornelius, a good man. Do you realize the grace of God is sufficient even to save a man who would blaspheme? Absolutely. Someone says, you mean, I, I hear people now, we, we see it in the news, people blaspheming God and they burning copies of the Bible and, and saying things about Jesus and things about God that are blasphemous. But you know, they have souls and they need to have those souls saved. And God can save a blasphemer. Listen to what Paul wrote about his past in 1 Timothy 1.13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and an injurious. And notice what next what he says. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. You see, when he was taught better, he did better. So God's grace is sufficient to save sinners of all kinds. And it's the grace of God that really matters. We hear about what matters today. It's God's grace that really matters in our lives. Now, how are we saved by grace? It's not a question, are we saved by the grace of God? Indeed we are. He gave a means whereby we could be saved. But how are we saved by that grace? You know, in the Old Testament, there is the story about Noah and the flood that I think illustrates how we are saved by the grace of God. In Genesis 6 and 8, the Bible says that, that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah and his family were saved from the flood. Noah didn't save himself. Absolutely not. For Noah to have saved himself, there are several things he would have to obtain. First of all, if Noah had saved himself, he would have had to for, been able to foresee a flood coming. But he didn't know that until God told him. For Noah to have saved himself, he would have had to known to build an ark. But he did not know that until God told him. 
For Noah to have saved himself, he would have had to know how to build an ark. That is, the dimensions and all that was involved in the building of the ark. But he knew none of that until God told him. And so when Noah and his family finally put their feet back on dry ground, they could say, we have been saved by grace. But Noah wasn't saved by grace alone. Noah was saved by his faith in God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, the Bible reads there, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, move of fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he became the, the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah was saved by faith in what God told him. Noah not only was saved by grace through faith, Noah was saved by obedience to God. Now, I know how the ark was built. You say, well, Brother Lambert, you were not back there during the days of Noah. Well, I know some young people who may think that I am, but I'm not quite that old. But I know how the ark was built. I know that it was made out of gopher wood. I know that the ark was, was a certain length, it was a certain height, I know how many doors, how many windows in it. I know the animals that were in that ark. Someone says, how do you know that? Because of Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. When God told Noah what to do, Noah did exactly what God told him to do. And Noah and his family were saved in that ark. And they were saved by water, as a matter of fact. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, when, when, when the, when the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a prepared, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. We are saved by grace. Noah saved by grace in God. We're not saved by just grace. We're saved by grace through faith. God has manifested his grace in the giving of Jesus. Titus 2 and 11 says when the grace of God came, it was manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, he came to save the world, and he came because of God's desire to help man with his salvation. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich, saved by the grace of God. We're saved by God's grace. We're saved by God's grace by having faith in God and faith in Jesus. We're saved by the grace of God, by obedience to God. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. Noah was saved in the ark. We are saved in our ark of safety, and that's Jesus and his church. In John 10 and 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. 
We, we wonder today, when, why, right while we're in this COVID-19 and, and all of the tra- uh, terrorists protesting in our cities across the land today, what are we going to do? Find a place of safety, and the place of safety is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only place that you'll ever find it. I wonder today if you are in Christ. Are you in that ark of safety? And that ark of safety is Jesus. God wants to save you. It is his desire to save you. It's not that the will, the decree of God that anybody be lost. No, as a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 2 and 4 says that God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But all men are not going to be saved. Why are they not all going to be saved? Because all men don't come to a knowledge of the truth. If you know that you're lost, you know what to do to be saved. You know that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want to urge you to do that just as soon as you can. Yet you've never obeyed the gospel. I want to urge you to think seriously about giving your life to Jesus Christ. Become a spiritual leader in your home. Lead your home to heaven one day. I I might be speaking to some wife or some child that's never obeyed the gospel. God wants to save you. The safest place for your soul today is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you rather be in Christ than have all the money of this world? Why, Jesus even said, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? May God bless us to have, to have a greater appreciation of the grace of Almighty God. And God's grace indeed is sufficient for us to save us from our sins. I want to thank you for watching today, and I want to encourage you to tell someone else about polishing the pulpit and tell them to watch it. Uh, there's so many speakers that they can hear. I want to close our session today with a word of prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Holy Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we thank you so much, Father, for the gift of your blessed Son to save a lost and a dying world. And now, Father, we come asking for the forgiveness of our sins. Help us, Father, to live closer to you day by day. And we pray, God, that we'll lead someone else to Jesus while there's time and while there is opportunity. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to study together today. And may God bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.